This podcast is for investment professionals only. It is not for distribution to retail investors. This material has been provided for information and educational purposes only. It is not an offer or solicitation to buy securities. The information provided and the views expressed in this podcast could change and are not necessarily the views of Premier Mighton. Reference to any stock, fund or investment should not be considered advice or an investment recommendation. Any reference to past performance is not a guide to future returns and the value of investments can fall as well as rise. You are listening to the Bright Thinking series from Premier Mighton, a regular podcast on investment views from Premier Mighton's fund management team. I am Imogen Harris, Assistant Fund Manager of the Premier Mighton Global Smaller Companies Fund. In this podcast, I take a further look at how the constantly shifting nature of emerging markets can enable rapid market share growth for smaller companies. One way we could define an emerging market is an economy that is undergoing a transition into a developed economy. The traditional investment rationale for investing in emerging markets is the relatively higher economic growth that they can offer, in theory leading to higher investment returns. So what angles do we need to look from when considering companies from this group of markets? Even though our investment idea generation process centres around bottom-up stock picking, we also believe that regional, national and macroeconomic factors can impact company earnings and valuation. And these need to be incorporated into our investment analysis. Making correct predictions for the investment returns of a country over the decades is certainly not easy. And so it can be challenging to cut through macroeconomic noise and focus on the potential positive or negative impacts on individual company fundamentals. So how do we approach this? One technique is to ask more pointed questions about the specific country. Questions such as, does the educational system encourage entrepreneurialism? If the domestic industrial economy is strong, is that strength passed on to consumers? How stringent is the intellectual property and the real asset regulatory environment? What is the balance of local currency versus US dollar denominated debt? What are the current barriers to development for a business? Let's dig into the last question to explain how this technique works in practice. The operational infrastructure of an industry could be both a barrier or an enabler for a business. If the supply chain around a business is efficient, then it helps a smaller business to grow with fewer resources. If the supply chain infrastructure is bureaucratic, then larger businesses may have an advantage via their economies of scale. If no infrastructure exists at all, it may give a company the opportunity to build up that infrastructure to suit their own revenue model, handing them a competitive advantage. For example, let us consider the payment infrastructure in China. In 2011, as a resident of Beijing, I would use cash to pay for my dumpling lunch. But only a year later, I paid by QR code, a lightspeed jump in the dominant payment method. Prior to mobile payments, there was no real consumer habit of using a debit card to pay for smaller items. Therefore, one could theorise that the progress to mobile phone payments was fast because the payment system was able to leapfrog this debit card phase. The investment opportunity here was to identify that the market leader in consumer mobile payments was Tencent via its WeChat wallet app. WeChat is a popular communication messaging service and it was able to leverage its broad network and deep consumer base to launch WeChat Wallet 
a service similar to PayPal. But unlike PayPal, WeChat Wallet did not have to engage in as much competition with the existing debit card payment providers. Limited competition is generally more conducive to rapid market share growth. And this is what occurred. We often see this catapult dynamic in our global smaller companies universe. More flexible and energetic companies take market share versus their larger and more cumbersome peers. A smaller company could develop a superior product offering than a larger peer, too focused on its legacy business to make the investment into research and development. We would have classed Tencent a smaller company in November 2006, and at that time the market capitalization was below 5 billion US dollars. Tencent's market capitalization was 410 billion US dollars in December 2022. Despite their size, smaller companies absolutely can be global market leaders. Their smaller market capitalization is often driven by the size of the addressable markets, which may be larger in the future. We screen our universe for companies with strong competitive advantages, especially companies where this catapult dynamic may be occurring. We like to see smaller companies expanding their market share or already being the global market leader. And often these companies display quality characteristics like solid balance sheets or management teams with good track records. The growth offered by this constantly shifting nature of the emerging markets has made it a good hunting ground for this type of company. And we continue to believe that exposure to the region is an essential part of the investment opportunity set for a global investor. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode interesting. Look out for other episodes in the Bright Thinking series. This podcast is for investment professionals only and is issued by Premier Might and Investors, which is the marketing name for Premier Portfolio Managers Limited and Premier Fund Managers Limited, which are authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. The value of investments can fall as well as rise. Thank you.